This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Here we are again, back for another edition of the Clay Young Show on the eve of hurricane season. That's right, hurricane season 2018. You know, if you live in other parts of the country, this is probably not something you think a whole lot about. People think about first snow, last snow, and I think about the 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 wind gust season, all that stuff that happens in parts of the of the country where there's sand being blown up and all of that. But down here, this is something we think about. Hurricane season. Everybody goes out, people who live here normally to make certain that their generators work, supplies and all of that stuff. What's their plan in the event of a hurricane? How will it impact our vacation season? So many people from here are in Florida during the summer. It is unbelievable to think about that this year is moving so fast that hurricane season is here. And as we've done for the last two years, our guest on the eve of hurricane season is Jay Grimes, who is the chief meteorologist for WAFB-TV here in Baton Rouge and in the Capital City region. It is the CBS affiliate, for those of you not familiar with Jay or WAFB because you're in some other part of the country listening to this show. Jay is brilliant. Now, you'd never get him to admit that because he's just not that kind of guy. He's not the guy who goes around patting himself on the back about his intellect and his experience and the sciences. But trust me, he knows what he's talking about. And so we're going to talk about the hurricane season that's on the way. We're going to talk about you know, some of the weather that we've already experienced in the Gulf South this year. I'll ask him a bit about the climate change slash global warming debate that's been going on for the better part of 18 years and see where, you know, where we are with that. And we'll talk about some of the equipment, too. The science of meteorology has changed a bunch because of all of the technology that now exists. Think about it. We get alerts about hurricanes. Now, the alerts aren't way in advance because the technology is trying to catch up because so much of what happens in the weather is unpredictable. I mean, you can get a storm, you can know what's going to happen, but something can happen in an instant that shifts the dynamic that may change things. And we have tools now to know in bad weather, is it just a lightning storm with a little bit of rain and thunder or is there potential for a tornado or tornadic activity all of that is because of this new technology that exists in so many ways we're getting smarter while at the same time getting not so smart in other areas but that's a show for another day so we'll get into that looking forward to it next week the show will be on hiatus and we're hoping to return week after next with a show with ryan clark who is a former LSU Tiger, graduated from LSU with a degree in mass communications, I believe, played on the football team, one of the early founding fathers of DBU. He also played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is an analyst right now, a football analyst for ESPN, but still spends a considerable amount of time when he's not in Bristol in Baton Rouge with his family. He's a good guy. We met a few years ago, gosh, maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago with the sickle cell anemia run. It's called Ryan's run because Ryan has sickle cell 
And it's a fascinating story about how that impacted one day during a game in the NFL. And uh, we met at the walk and you know, became friends then and kind of kept up and, you know, we text back and forth. Well, you know, every now and again, I'll see something and we'll text, but he's a good guy and he's got a lot to say about a lot of things. And we're trying to secure a time to get him onto the show to, uh, to talk with you about it. So you'll get a chance to meet him and learn a little bit more about him and particularly about the impact sickle cell has had on his life and why he is doing so much to bring awareness and support to that illness through the Baton Rouge Sickle Cell Foundation and then talking about it nationally as well. So we're working on that with Ryan. Listen, you can follow me on Twitter at Clay Young BR and of course on face, Facebook forward slash Clay Young. We appreciate the follows. You can also email me if you have a topic request or a question about a guest we've had on the show. Uh, the email address is clay at podcast225.com. All right, weather bugs. Let's talk about it with Jay Grimes, and we will do that next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 three mobile app. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for the 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. Back with Chief Meteorologist for WAFB-TV, Jay Grimes. He's a, are you former or current climatologist? You don't do that anymore? Well, I, I'm still, in fact, I still have an adjunct appointment with the LSU Ag Center, and I still mix it up with the farmers now and again. So, yeah, yeah I've kept my fingers in it and uh, still do uh, occasional presentations. In fact, just uh, uh, about a month or so ago, did uh, something for... Uh, a pesticide mm-hmm. uh, uh, recertification. So, yeah, I've got my fingers still in the climate side, but obviously my uh, uh, that, that's all gratis. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, so my, my paycheck is on the uh, on TV weather. Well, it's interesting. This is the third year in a row, I believe, that we've done a pre-hurricane season yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And we've done other shows when other weather things have happened. And what, I, what I've learned from you in doing these is you take a measured approach to what's going to happen, and you also redefine some of the rhetoric that's out there. So I'll just ask a, a pretty broad question to start. What is your expectation for the 2018 hurricane season? Uh, you know, 
I don't have any expectation, and that's why when I people ask me, "What do you think? What do you think?" Get ready. <laughs> Assume it's going to happen. Hope it doesn't. Right. Like, uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past, and it's it really is. Uh, it's my number one slide in every presentation I give. When it comes to the tropics, there's a fifty-fifty chance of at least one at least one name storm having mm-hmm. an impact in our state every season. 50-50, coin toss, you right. need to be ready. So that's really the bottom line. You know, you, you. I think last year when we talked about this, when the predictions came out, uh, I, I, I had said that it had not been a very active year the year before. And you corrected me in saying, well, that isn't true. It was a very active year. We just didn't have storms that made landfall and caused any damage. And that has since changed my perspective in this. So having said that, it has been active now for the past two, three years, maybe not impacting on Louisiana. Talk to people about the circumstances that would drive a storm into the Gulf that could potentially impact us. All right. Well, well, let's go ahead. And, I mean, everybody asks about what are the hurricane forecasts. So let's get that out of the way. Yeah. And most of the experts are floating around numbers that are talking about a near normal, near average season. So we're talking about something in the, let's say, just general range of 10 to 14 named storms. Mm-hmm. Half of those become hurricanes. Half of the half become major hurricanes. So uh, the, the official average numbers are 12, 6, and 3. I'm good with that. I mean, nobody is ever going to pick those three numbers right on the button. There's right. too much variability. But the, my point has always been those numbers tell us absolutely nothing about the threat to the Gulf Coast yeah. or Louisiana in particular. So what you know, what we would be watching for, uh, there's two things to watch for. It's those long-running storms that start way out there in the Atlantic. Now, mm-hmm. think about those. That means they've got an awful lot of outfield to get their act together. Mm-hmm. By the time they get to the Gulf, we end up with Irma's yeah. and Maria's right. and uh, and Harvey's. And so that's storm series number one. At least with those, we have a little heads up time. Right. The ones that catch us off guard are the ones that bubble up right in the backyard, mm-hmm. that develop in the Gulf of Mexico and move in. And Danny is an example in uh, 97, I believe. I mean, it was less than two days. It went right. from nothing to a landfalling hurricane. Those are the ones we have to be concerned about and the fact is our science is nowhere near being able to even anticipate the the dannies mm-hmm. much less the uh, maria's you referenced Irma's. you referenced harvey i want to go back to the science in a second sure. but you referenced harvey which impacted houston and that area with houston galveston uh, a couple areas in Texas, but Houston probably the, the the most memorable among them. Of course, of course. I mean, yeah, how do you, how do you deal with fifty or sixty inches of rain? Do you realize sixty inches of rain? That's what we get in a whole year in right, Baton Rouge. Right, they get it in five or six days. It was unbelievable, and for most people who've been to Houston to see that downtown area and some of those areas right. in Houston so inundated with water, it is something. That kind of storm that we didn't know at first where it was going to go, and then it, it was clearer and clearer that it was going to be a Texas storm, not a Louisiana storm. I mean, the, w- what's the process with something like that when you're watching it and that cone is so broad, and most of us 
are amateurs at looking at it. We don't know what the hell we're looking at until you tell us. But you know, when you're when you're watching that, what are you thinking about when you before you go to the go to TV to talk to people about it? Well, the first thing is uh, there's there's an unwritten rule in 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 television weather. You never forecast a record, right? So nobody was anticipating what it was going to do. Right. The other thing we didn't have a feel for is that the steering currents were going to effectively go away. So once it came into Texas, it just sat there. Mm-hmm. And I do want to remind people, especially on this side of the state, the eastern side of the state, Harvey did have impacts in Louisiana. There are places, some of the western parishes got more than 20 inches of rain. It's just they didn't get any TV time mm-hmm. because all the focus was on Houston. Uh, Houston. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had big impacts. And, and in fact, last year, uh, and we can talk about this more in a minute, but we Louisiana got hit by three storms. A lot of people don't even realize that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was Cindy. Harvey, yeah, and then Nate. Nate was Nate. actually a hurricane yeah. that hit yeah. Blackman's Parish. But Nate was not a hurricane very long, though, right? Well, it was a weak one, and it only got the extreme southern tip of the state. Yeah. But, and we'll talk about this, too. You know, storms don't have to hit Louisiana to impact Louisiana. Explain. And, uh, for example, a storm that even gets in the northern Gulf, you see a migration of the uh, uh, oil platform workers. Right. Thousands of people come in. Right. Hey, what happens to gas prices when a storm gets in the northern Gulf? They True. go up nationally right. because production goes down. And that increase, that reduction in production has an economic impact in Louisiana. A storm that gets close to Louisiana, we get an in-migration of evacuees Mm -hmm. up here along the 1012 corridor. Our population swells, and suddenly under sunny skies, Baton Rouge is being impacted by a storm that's out in the Gulf. So we need to remember that it doesn't even have to actually get here to, to impact us. And, and Harvey, a great example. I mean, it, we didn't get much coverage even by Louisiana press, and yet we had evacuations going on in western Louisiana. It's just that, you know, we, we allow the media to dry, and, and, and you know, we're, we're, and I'm part of it, and, and we're guilty sometimes of creating a story based upon how we view it, mm-hmm. not in terms of the extent of the story. So anyway, getting back to Harvey, the big story for us was the uh, inability to anticipate that, number one, this storm was going to feed itself. It mm-hmm. still was pulling that Gulf moisture in, and then it just sat there for so long. You referenced the science earlier, and you know, you and I have been friends a while, and sometimes I'll text Jay to give him grief about <laughs> where's that rain you promised, or oh, you, you know, and uh, and we'll joke about that. But you've often said to me in our conversations about how you know, people expect you to almost guarantee the weather is going to happen, like you're you're either creating it or causing it, or you know, and all you can do is use the instruments you have to discuss what it says may happen compared to when you started and now describe how the science has improved because i want to specifically ask about one thing and i'll tell you what it is we'll come back to it but tornadoes but when you talk about the science how has the science improved in such an unpredictable medium well, it's it's improved on two fronts. One is the scientific, uh, uh, the science end of technology and detection. A big, a gigantic improvement in the last twenty years has been Doppler radar mm-hmm. and the ability. Now, now we not only can look at 
uh, uh, storms in in two dimensions, but we can look at them essentially three dimensionally, and uh, we look both across and up and down through them with new uh, Doppler radar. So we're seeing the inside of individual storms mm -hmm. in ways we never could before. But to me, really, the biggest improvement and uh, an improvement that continues each and every day is uh, uh, finessing weather models. And, you know, I, one of the things I like to bring this up because a lot of people remember this ugly day in Baton Rouge many years ago uh, when uh, a Nick Saban-led LSU football <laughs> team invites the Birmingham Blazers to Tiger Stadium. Now, where is the money going on that game? And yet the Blazers walk out with a victory. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation. There's absolutely no way they have a chance to win. Right. And they pull it off. Or no, App Troy State beating year. Michigan. You know, yeah. Uh, so so the impossible yeah. and the very improbable still happen. And so forecasts are always going to be busted. Right. And, you know, I, I, I like to remind people that when I forecast a sunny day and it's sunny, you don't give me credit for that one. No, I'm not going to be texting you giving you credit when you're right. Come on, Jay. There you go. You know? so, and the truth is, that, and I'm not asking for that, but I, you know, I do like, you know, every but it's true though. You People do, I, I wonder, because, you know, I say that facetiously, but it's like, I don't know that people should take it seriously to the degree that they're going to jump all over you. A 20% chance of rain means that it, it can rain. Somebody's going to get wet. It's going to, it's going to right, rain. It right. doesn't mean 20% doesn't mean it, if it rains, it's going to be a little bit of rain. And I yep, think that's yep, how yep. people look at it. It's like a 20% chance of rain, not much rain. No, it could be a 20% chance of a thunderstorm. That, and at this time of year, that's exactly what happens. So tornadoes. All right. So I remember, uh, I guess it was about a month ago on a Saturday. We had some really bad weather Saturday morning. Just kind of started early in the day. It was gone probably about by 10 o'clock, maybe where I live. I was without electricity for 12 hours that day because a tree was taken down and right. it took energy that long to get it up. That's a subject for another show. <laughs> but in watching him uh, talk about tornadoes, because now you guys do the alerts that right. will talk about warnings, talk about you know, the the watches and even if lightning is in in, in the uh, in the area, you'll get Grimes's voice on your phone telling you something. Tornado okay, secret. I've turned that feature off on ah. my phone. <laughs> so I know what I sound like. <laughs> so with tornadoes, you've gotten the technology has gotten so much better. But I wonder how much better can it get. Yeah, well, let's let's qualify that. I, I'm not sure we're ready to say it's so much better. Well, it's better in it's, it's oh, it's it, absolutely yeah. better. Well, but from not knowing at all to to hearing right. about a bad storm to now, you guys are talking about with radar the circumstances that could lead to the probability of a tornado, and then getting an alert that says there's a warning in your area, take shelter. That's vastly better than 1992 when Andrew blew through here and all those tornadoes were here, and we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, there's no question about that. And there's there's actually, if you think about it, in that comment you made, there are about three different features that you've highlighted on. One is Doppler radar. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and I mentioned that just a few minutes ago. That's probably one of the biggest right. advancements in terms of the the tracking and monitoring science. Uh, the, the other thing that has changed, and you reached for it, is that device you had in Cell your phone, hand. Yeah. yeah. So in the old, uh, 
10 years ago, even if I knew about it, I couldn't get the word out. No. Now I'm bleeding it out. In yeah. fact, yeah. in many cases, that alert goes out without me doing a thing. It is almost wow. entirely automated now. Wow. And then the third thing is, is and, and this is a little more uh, uh, subjective, but there is a state of awareness and appreciation in the mm-hmm. community that wasn't there especially wasn't there before Andrew. Andrew right. really flipped a switch. Yep. And then 2005 lit the match. No question about it. And so now you have people that really take it seriously, whereas they remember when they were younger or certainly remember dad saying, oh, that's just a whole bunch of gibberish. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just watch the sky and you'll be fine. No, so we've get, we, we've we've improved our awareness on multiple fronts right uh the de- the science itself the communications and our collective community awareness and acceptance that number one yeah he might be wrong just because he says there's a tornado warning doesn't mean it's coming mm-hmm. but it's telling me there's a chance and you know with a tornado if there's a one in ten chance i'm i'm be- i'm paying no attention. question about it yeah. and and so watching the weather because what i will do is i'll look at the radar right, right? Mm-hmm. so i'm listening to you like i have the afb app i have the NOAA app i have the weather channels app and generally i'm trying to the see who <laughs> i didn't even know they were still on air i, I, I kind of walked right into that one a little bit that's i walked into that one anyway uh and i try to see how consistent the the radars are because when you say rain you said it earlier somebody's getting rain so when i look at your radar i can see where the rain is i just want to see if it's near me right but right. we learn that now with using this technology and it does help in so many ways. And I'll throw another one. You referenced the way people pay attention. Katrina. It was Katrina made landfall on a Monday. The governor and the mayor they and, and General Thad Allen, they were on television Saturday. People blew it off because back then, I mean, that's only 13 years ago. You just said, ah, come on. Now, since Katrina, when you guys say it's time to go, people are going. No, that's true. Now, you know, I will say, and we even talked about this back in 05. And by the way, if you remember, I, I mentioned 05 was one of those trigger yes, points. Yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and Katrina clearly was. But mm-hmm. another thing we learned, and we actually knew this ahead of time, and I'd even warned uh, uh, the uh, folks that I was working with back then, that when we send out weather heads up on the weekend – the audience is about a third of what it would be no Monday to Friday. No question. And that actually, I think, in the New Orleans area, intensified the impact mm-hmm. because people, the last thing they really had heard was the Friday night news. Oh, no. If they got that, they were they were sleeping off that hurricane they were smashing the day before. Pardon the pun. No, it's uh, true. And, <laughs> and, and, and so they really got caught unaware. And then, of course, you know, then the, the, the failure of the levees, which mm-hmm. completely, I mean, it just changed the game. Right. But but you're, you're absolutely right. The fact that we have weather technology in our hand now. Matter of fact, now, probably one in four uh, contacts I get from the public are from people that have used the tool and are either questioning mm-hmm. my thinking or they're actually doing their own little mini forecasting. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I just want to remind them, and I'm not saying you have to listen to me, but I don't want to remind them that they, you know, there are professionals that are doing this eight hours a day. Yeah, who are trained and credentialed right. to do it. And I, and I tend to trust what you're saying. For me, I, you know, 
and you know this because you're moving around, the weather has an impact on me during the, the day. You know, going, I had to go to Metri a couple days ago and I want to know what the weather is because sure. I'm just going straight there to, to, to take something to a client and coming back. And you and I know that the weather impacts traffic. So traffic has an impact on the schedule. It's all tied together. So in the morning, I want to know what I'm expecting because that'll tell me, am I leaving 30 minutes earlier or 45 minutes earlier? Right. And so that's the way we use, use it. Now, let me ask you, you've been other places. Do you find that people are as obsessive about weather in other places as we are here in South Louisiana? Uh, you know, that's, that's a great question. I've never actually put it in that sense. I have always been humored by Louisiana's love-hate relationship with tropical weather. Uh, folks here get a little bit of a Jones out of the excitement oh, of yeah. tropical weather approaching. Yeah. They don't want it to come. Right. But it suddenly it become, it elevates the conversation. It's the new water cooler oh topic. Oh, my God. And, and so I, I've, I've often, it's kind of like you're, you're, you know, come here, come here, come here, go, go away, go away, right. go away. That's, that's sort of how you, you play it here. That's something I've learned. Uh, uh, but uh, in other aspects, we're not really all that different. We just have different weather. I mean, go to Colorado, and mm-hmm. what are they talking about? First snow, last right. snow, you know. Right. So, uh, so I mean, every place has its kind of uniqueness. What we have here is uh, a a need for water, which mm-hmm. we're kind of suffering from. Uh, you know, one of the things I often remind people is, it's not sportsman's paradise because everybody has a boat. Everybody has a boat because we have a lot of water. <laughs> That's right. And so. Uh, uh, our lifestyle here has a very uh, strong connection mm-hmm. with the weather. Not just your work lifestyle, right. you know, when we're going to work early or late, but our our off time lifestyle. Right. And uh, it, in fact, I challenge people all the time. Tell me something that you do that won't have a little weather impact. Can't yeah. think of anything. I mean, even when mom goes to the grocery store, right. she'll delay it a day if no it's question. raining. You know? No question. So it, it really is. It, we accept it as just the normal day-to-day part of our activity. But mm-hmm. in fact, weather is, uh, it, it, it plays on almost everything we do. And in many cases, it plays on many of the decisions we make. You know, you, you talked earlier about the, the hurricane season and a little bit about expectations or lack thereof. But I, yeah, I want to go backwards to the beginning of the year. We had snow <laughs> twice. Yeah. In like a four-week period. So just in the interest of full disclosure, I freaking hate it. I know people think it's cute. I hate it. And I got great joy out of watching all of the people who loved it the first time, the second time, actually being as pissy about it as I was the second time. It's like, it's not so cute right now, huh? And, you know, so... What did you think of that, which is a rarity for us oh, to have yeah. snow anyway, but twice in four weeks? Yeah, we, it, Baton Rouge has had snow. The last time we had two snows was back in uh, 88, yeah. in February of 88. And there, neither of them were anything like the two we had. So right. we had we had something truly unique uh, uh, this past winter. That and, second one had snow falling sideways, yeah, man. And, and, you know, the other thing that I find, because uh, I, I still I like to go to schools, and I'll even do uh, kindergarten. I've even done some pre-K schools. But one of the things that 
has become apparent to me is that our littlest ones think it's supposed to snow every winter right. in Louisiana. <laughs> and, I, and I tell them that, you know, that 88 event, those two snows in February of 88, that's the only snow I saw for like 20 years right. here. So, so, yeah, the climate signal has changed a little bit. What we do want to remind ourselves, though, is that snow events are, and it's kind of, this is maybe going to get a little, little squirrely sounded, but snow events are meteorological seasons are climatological does that right. make sense yeah. so, yes so you know what to expect yes. for winter but yes. in winter we get these little hiccups right and that's we had two hiccups in 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 the winter here and the hiccups are meteorological oddities mm-hmm. that don't fit into the climate signal and and so uh you know because i never expected to snow well who, who would right and, and you know and you know you, your point about the reaction to the second <laughs> one was far more negative you're absolutely <laughs> right on that because everybody started thinking what am I going to do with the kids uh-huh, again? Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and am I going to be able to get to work today? Right, yep. And, and uh, the sheriff's out there shutting down the roads. Right. And, and so, yeah, the impact. And, and, you know, then you go to Illinois and those people up there are laughing. Laughing at us. At us. Right. Listen, I was about to board a plane from Dallas. And I'm, I am literally, we are about to board the plane when they canceled the flight to Baton Rouge because of snow here. And I'm thinking, what? So I'm, I pull it up, I start paying attention, and luckily we were able to get into New Orleans, but they lost my luggage, which, I, you know, for people who've gone through that multiple oh, times, wow. I just, yeah. I don't even, un- that's, I, I've never had that happen before. It took me really? a week to get my luggage, mm-hmm. and thankfully everything was in there. But it just, I think about that lifestyle for people who go through it every year, man, I wouldn't want to do that. And when I got here, because we had to drive in, and I'm seeing snow falling sideways, it's like, what is going on? So, and this kind of dovetails us into this discussion we've had a little bit on these shows, the debate over global warming versus climate change. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I, I cannot find deniability in the fact that there, are, there is a climate change something going on. Climate's always changing. Uh, I don't know about all of the other global warming rhetoric out there, because to be honest with you, I don't know where the science begins and the politics ends. So I just kind of recoil from all of it because I don't know if I'm getting BS from one pro side or anti side or what. So as a scientist, when you're talking to people about climate changes, changes, how do you describe it? What are you saying uh, is the basis of your position that there are climate changes going on. Well, if you've, you've probably noticed that the rhetoric has shifted away. We, there's very few people now that are focused on uh, the phrase global warming. I mean, relatively fewer. That's a better way to say it. There's still a lot of folks who will actually use the phrase anthropogenic global warming. And, and, and look, let's, let's face it. We've changed the atmosphere. We've changed the surface of the earth. So we know we've had an impact on how climate behaves there's no question about that uh but the climate also has been changing always we, you know we, we we when whenever we start to think about well it was steady for a string of years and now it's changing no it never was steady it's always showing little ripples now the question is is the rate of change and the direction of change unusual and and certainly the the rate of change seems uh, uh to me in my in my opinion is is uh, uh, I don't want to use the word alarming. I think that's too strong, but it certainly is eye-catching. The direction of change has been, for the most part, a warmer Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
are humans involved in that? I don't think there's anybody who can really rationally say we're not a factor in it. Uh, and a great example, let's not even get into the CO2 issue, but just how we've modified the Earth's surface. Baton Rouge, or New Orleans, they're hotter because there's more concrete. Mm-hmm. That's not how Mother Nature built right. it. Right. So we're changing the local climate, and the sum of changes to the local climate ultimately leads to regional and presumably global climate change. What, we, what I'm not convinced we can do is ferret out how much of this warming trend we've seen in the last hundred years, how much of it is human, and how much of it is Mother Nature on her right. own. And that's really kind of where, and that makes some of my environmental friends very irritated with me. But I, but see, I think it's a rational thing. I think on both sides, you know, people question whether or not some of these things are cyclical and that they've happened before and either the science doesn't know that or all of those things. But again, I don't have a science background, so I try not to speak in authority on things that I really don't understand as well as someone who was trained. But I think you lose people when, again, it becomes about, I need you to agree with me on this, or I'm right on this and you just need to agree with me versus here's what I believe based upon the actual provable information. And so people boil because it's like, okay, this is just a dumpster fire. I don't want to be a part of the discussion. Uh, For kids, though, coming along, you know, children in school, young adults in college, they are learning differently about these things because of new information and technology, correct? Sure, sure. I mean, and the fact of the matter is, is that the science is still being studied. You know, there's the, the politics of climate change, that train's left the building. Right. But the science is still being worked on. And the question is, can we get off of that train, Mm -hmm. leave that agenda down the tracks and come back to more vigorous, vigorously evaluating the knowns and unknowns about the science. Now, you know, I think even those people that I find personally are overly aggressive about the human influence, I, I believe that their, their focus, their mission is a good one. They're simply suggesting we need to be better stewards of planet Earth. Right. And that makes good sense. Right, right. But, but if we're making conclusions on science that still hasn't been uh, fully uh, uh, disclosed, fully completed, then then I think there's a, um, you know, there's a, at least a place there where the debate should continue. It's interesting, and, and I'll, I'll close on this note, talking about the technology that exists. If, if you, obviously you want people to have the AFB app, and people have it for various reasons, news, weather, sports, I mean, this is a college town. But when you're telling people about technology that they should either invest in or have for the benefit of their own edification about weather or just their own protection when something is coming, what would you suggest people have? I I think that having the app and being uh, aware of your of what's going on around you is all you can do. There are there are clearly the, the the weather oriented folks that get their own backyard weather station yeah. and do yeah. a, a dozen different things. Look, I don't even have a backyard weather station. So, uh, I mean, uh, uh, the, for the benefit of those of us on planet Earth, what's a backyard weather station? Oh, and literally, you have a station in your backyard that's telling you what the temperature is. It's recording <laughs> yeah. wind speed. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's it's more of a, it's kind of a hobbyist thing. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great little hobby. I mean, it's I'll to me. I'll stick with the fridge outside with beer in it. Well, so, there you uh, go. Or yeah. the train set in the, uh, in the <laughs> den. Right, yeah. Right, but, so. but, but, uh, but, I mean, these are people who are also learning right. how the atmosphere oh, sure. behaves. So, I mean, I, 
I, I admire them for doing it. But the bottom line is, is uh, if you have the technology that you have in your hand right there, you are as prepared as you can be mm-hmm. as long as you listen to it. Right. And that's, that's, that's usually the, the issue. So, okay, I'll throw these rapid fire at you. All right. And you can, you can say answer, you can give the answer, or you can say pass. I like pass. Yes. Okay. okay, yes. I, let's see how many <laughs> passes he gets, folks. Keep count of this. Here we go. Would you ever go along with a storm chaser? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, in fact, uh, uh, my problem is that if there's activity going on, I have to be in the studio. You'd rather go chase it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I ha- I was uh, scheduled to be on a uh, uh, a hurricane hunter, and I had to cancel that trip because the storm was coming into the Gulf, and I needed to be in the studio. Over under. Now let me. I do want to add one thing. Okay. Chasing storms and getting under them are two very different things, and we read about those that are too aggressive, mm-hmm. and sometimes we read about them in the obituaries. No question about it. I would not it. be one of those. Well, I, I wouldn't think you would. With the level being five, what's the over-under on the number of times someone has emailed you about a complaint with the weather that you have said something in your mind that the FCC would not approve you saying on air? Who pass. <laughs> Are we talking about just yesterday? <laughs> so, so uh, true or false, weather people are some of the weirdest people on the planet. Oh, slam dunk true there, yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, exception that makes it a rule. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then finally, how much... Fun is it for you when a big storm or big weather event is happening and you get to help the public understand and prepare for what's going on? Uh, less than it used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason for that is when I first started in this business, there was this truly a hallelujah moment of I can really have an impact right. on this community. Uh, and, 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 and I want, want folks to understand it wasn't a big head thing. It was just, it was a sense of, wow, I can make a difference here. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've made a difference a number of times over the years. And so the, the, the newness of that is wearing off. And now I've become, and this is what we were talking about a little while ago before we, we, we began the interview is now I've become more and more sensitive to the impacts of mm-hmm. these events. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, and, and anybody who's ever been out there, many of you have seen me after a big event, like a tornado or, or a, a tropical system. Once I get relieved of my TV duties, I will often go out into the community because l- looking at what that storm did is another process of learning. Mm-hmm. And what I, when I go out into those into the community when I go out in the neighborhoods and see what the storms de- done, uh, I I am I'm a little more emotionally impacted than right. I expect to be. Right. And so what has happened is in the old days the 
the ability to help the community with a big storm was energizing. Now it's almost a sense of, oh, man, somebody's got to go through this again. Right. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's not nearly the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the gear up and, and let's go uh, mentality that I used to have. Well, here's hoping between now and November, you are not on the podcast again. You know what? <laughs> you I, know what I mean? <laughs> I am good with that. Uh, <laughs> At least not about a hurricane. You know, some folks, and if we've got a minute here, uh, a lot of folks probably know that Ken Graham, who was the director of the Weather Service Office in yeah. Slidell, yeah. is now the director of the National Hurricane Center. Yeah. And Ken and I became good friends over the 20-plus years that we were both sort of working South Louisiana. And uh, when he took the job over there, I told him congratulations. In fact, we still email back and forth occasionally. But I I told him the next time I wanted to hear from him was with a Christmas card. (laughs) That's right. That's right, man. It's it's God. I hadn't talked to Ken in forever. I didn't I didn't realize that he had gotten that. uh, Yeah, he is now the uh, he is the we are. Whether they come to Louisiana or not, we're going to see probably more of Ken now yeah, than we yeah. ever saw before. I don't think I spoke. I, think he, the, I was at Jabo the last time I spoke with okay, him. Okay, well, yeah. he, he's. Not, I mean, think of it. It's hurricane season. He yeah. becomes the face of the weather service yeah. for the next six months. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, you know, it's it's always fun. We generally do these about big weather events. We had fun. I'll have more rapid fire. See, I don't want to make him too uncomfortable on this first run, but on the next one, we're really going to turn the screws on him. Uh, see, never mind. I'll leave it right there. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's wait for that one. And, and, and yeah, everybody out there, bottom line, 50-50 chance of yeah. a hit. Be ready for that. Uh, these forecasts, they, you know... Last year's forecast was for a near normal season. Not only were the storm numbers way above normal, but it quite probably was the most active year in the Gulf of Mexico in at least five decades. More importantly, it was the costliest hurricane season ever. These preseason forecasts mean nothing. There you go. You heard it from the man. Jay Grimes, Chief Meteorologist for WAFB-TV. Thank you, brother. You bet. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. And now, today's Manners Minute. Are you looking for a way to better connect with folks in your home? Well, get out of the house. Volunteer together. Whether you're a family of two or six, you can find a place to serve. And the benefits are life-shaping. Children develop empathy and a commitment to service that lasts throughout their lifetimes. Children feel important and gain confidence as they work alongside adults in service projects. Adults have the opportunity to pass on important values to the next generation. Even toddlers can learn how to serve with visits to nursing homes. The faces of children brighten the long days of the elderly. The best part of volunteering as a family is that priorities become reoriented. What's most important becomes most important. Respecting your home by serving. A family that serves together, stands together. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect. Baton Rouge thrives.
Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. You know, John, lots of people are out nowadays. It's that time of the year, and fleas and mosquitoes are a problem. And the good thing there is you can use the same product for both problems. Amazing. So what does that product do? Well, what we want to do is we want to treat the entire yard. Okay. And you also want to treat the underside of bushes. Okay. Most people don't understand that just spraying a product on top of the bush, how come it's still got mosquitoes? Because right. they're nesting under the leaves. You need to knock that out. Okay. So, you know, we're going to help you with all of that, tell you exactly what to do, when to do, how to do it. So you won't have any questions when you leave. Here's an amazing thing about this. The product actually does work, but if they come to the store, they can find out how to use it. That's exactly correct. All right, so where are you in the Baton Rouge area? Our Baton Rouge store is located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a mile north of I-12. Or just give us a call if you have questions at 273-4788. Don't just do it yourself. Get the information. Go to the showroom at Pest Stop. The look on Jay's face when I was talking about rapid-fire questions. We've known each other long enough <laughs> to where he didn't know where I was gonna where I was gonna go with that. But you see how smart he is. I told you guys in the open about his intellect and his calm demeanor about it. And people, media so often now just wants to whip people into a frenzy about everything. And he's just the opposite. He wants you to know what's going on. Wants you to be safe. Wants you to be informed. But you know he's not going to be given to hyperbole and. And he's, he's really a straight shooter. Some of our conversations on the phone about a lot of things are brutally honest. Brutally honest. I could describe it in a lot of other ways, but I won't because he's still on TV for a while. And I'll keep that cat in the bag. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Tell your friends about us. If you see a post about the show on Facebook, please share it. Let people know what's going on. I also offer to you the Waiting Room Podcast. They're on hiatus, working on getting off of it. And Mary Catherine, Dr. Mary Catherine, is a new mom and is enjoying that. But we've talked about their return. Check out some of their previous shows and what uh, they offer there at the waiting room. We also are working on something with the Baton Rouge Business Report. So excited about that for the late summer and fall. And we appreciate you listening to the show this week. Thank you so much. Have a great one, and we'll see you on episode 165 of The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.